0: All right. You can follow the podcast on all platforms, including right here on YouTube. Click the subscribe and the notification bell so you never miss an episode, never miss us going live. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. For our audio listeners, this is a special bonus edition. This is the Q&A Portion of our live show that was in your feed a little earlier today. Uh, For the YouTubers that are watching right now, we are going to continue on right now with you in the driver's seat with your questions and comments. Uh, All right, Jeff, let's see where people want to go. Let's start right here with William Martin asking us, uh, What do we see happening with TJ Antone, Tony Santion, and Lucas Sims?
1: I think we'll see two of those three on opening day, I wonder about Antone. Like, I don't know that he is going to be ready right out of the gate because I mean, second Tommy John and it happened late in the year 2020 or 2021. Um, so it's not as if we're talking about the exact long enough timetable. Like it's possible. He, he probably could come back if he really furiously worked. And, and from all indications are that's what he's been doing. But I, I still think that, if they're smart they know the talent that they saw from manto and they know what he can do they're not going to rush him back and and i would i would probably think may first is a a good just just spitballing timeline where i kind of want to see him i don't want to see him rush back and then oh he's got another little arm injury that he has to go back on the shelf for like a month or two
0: yeah, I think TJ Antons probably the biggest question mark of those 3 uh, for all of the reasons that you just mentioned and uh, like you said, second Tommy John surgery, that's that that's big deal. Like yeah. the first one nowadays has become pretty routine. Once you have that second one though, there's no guarantee he makes it back. I mean, uh, I hope the best for him, but I I'm definitely not counting on anything from him and then anything that we get from him will just be icing. It'll be bonus. Uh yes. as far as Santian and Sims go, I think both of those guys have been projected to be back for spring training their their off-season workout timelines have uh, both have them looking like uh, they're going to be back for the regular start of spring training. So I'm counting on both of those guys to be in this bullpen and be big parts of this bullpen. Listen, uh, Jeff, I know you were like me heading into the 2022 season. We thought those two guys were, you know, closer arm one, a one B. So uh, I would like to see them get back to that because if they, if they go out and sign one of these guys that we just spent some time talking about from the free agent market, add that to Alexis Diaz. Now you drop in Tony Santiano, and Lucas Sims. It is a vastly, improved bullpen for 2023
1: hundred uh, percent agree and i think that those two injuries as well both being back injuries that sims and Santion incurred last year i i'm pretty sure like not being a medical expert here but i'm pretty sure the whole idea for that is just rest just you know lay off of it for a little while and from all reports are since the fact that we haven't heard either one of those guys names i'm guessing that's what they've been doing it's not like you could you know go out and report hey they're resting they're resting really well they are resting,
0: but I, th- I think that's what they've been doing. Steve McCoy asks about Derek Johnson. He says the pitching coach is good. Can't he spend time teaching uh, the young guns? And yeah, of course, he's going to spend time. But uh, there's a difference between teaching them you know, the, the mechanics of throwing a curveball that will break from 12 to 6 and having veteran leadership in the clubhouse that can Get in their face if they're getting out of line, can help them navigate what it's like to be a a young. Uh, money-making dude in major league baseball and how to navigate all of the the pitfalls that come along with that there's there's lots more than teaching the game that i think we're looking for from veterans and i worry that this team on the pitching side doesn't have enough veterans to help these youngsters through some of the challenges of being a, a major league pitcher that have not so much to do with the game itself
1: Well, i think this plays into something that chris said in your guys's chat too is that You know, he said the best way to learn a new pitch is to do it, to throw it in, in a game, not in a practice, you know, environment, not in a bullpen. It's not as if they can go out on their five days off and Derek Johnson's standing there and is like, this is how you hold it. This is how you throw it. This is how you release it. And then all of a sudden they know how to do it. You've got to throw it in the middle of a game. And when you talk about creating new pitches and teaching guys to pitch while also them getting used to major league baseball a la brandon williamson like if he is being taught and he's getting reps but he's getting destroyed he is not learning how to be a major league baseball player he's learning how to suck and we don't want guys to learn how to suck we want them to learn how to succeed
0: oh, And these these egos are pretty fragile uh we don't want them to get their their brains beat in right out of the gate yeah. and not be able to at least find some success uh yeah I think Derek Johnson does a lot of, of great things. And, and, and remember he's also now in charge of the entire system from, from Cincinnati all the way down to Daytona, as far mm-hmm. as, as pitching goes. So, so there'll be some consistency. Hand. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So let's uh, move on. Branch is asking us about uh, one of the most fun guys in the minor league system right now. Branch wants to know, is it safe to fall in love with LA de la Cruz or is there still a possibility of a bust? Well, I mean, yeah, there's there's a small possibility that he might not be able to put it together. But listen, everything he has shown us so far is he goes to a new level. He spends about a week adjusting and figuring out a little bit of differences that he needs to, to tweak. And then he starts mashing. Uh, He's been mashing since uh, Daytona. He mashed in Daytona. He mashed in Chattanooga. Uh, He is mashing in the Dominican. He was just uh, the player of the week in the Dominican Winter League. Uh, The guy is crushing the baseball uh, and like quite literally crushing the baseball. I'm talking about hitting that ball 500 feet uh, at times. So, uh, yeah, I think he's probably a guy that we can start to love and that's going to be around for a long time.
1: It's been a long time since the Reds have had a prospect, a top prospect that has destroyed everything he's touched. Uh, when we talk about Ellie De La Cruz, yeah, there's always a possibility for a bust. I mean, he's a prospect. Until you are a major leaguer, the term prospect means that there is an inherent risk. But with him, every level he's touched, he has destroyed. And even the Dominican Winter League, I was on Reds Reddit the other day, and there were some folks that had said they'd watched him play, and they're like, he's the best player on the team. There's some pretty good players on his team. So it's just awesome to see a guy like that, and I cannot wait to see him face major league quality pitching and, and, and things like that because it's really just going to show that this is the guy that there should be as much hype around him as there was around Jay Bruce. I'm trying to remember how much hype there was around Jay Bruce, but there might should be more because he is just that good. And the
0: lineup is going to be that much better with him. And it's so exciting right now to just start to peek ahead to 2024 and what things might look like. Uh, You know, we spent a whole show talking about Noel V Marte and the fact that he's now moved to third base. Uh base seemingly creating a lane straight to major league shortstop for Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, and then you've got Matt McClain, who I thought would get an outfield look during the Arizona fall league, but he's not, he's playing a lot of second base, which raises an interesting question that I would like to, to pose to you, Jeffrey. And that is what do you do with Jonathan India? Because Matt McClain at second base is a way better defender (laughs) much smoother can cover a whole lot more ground for a now shiftless infield than what Jonathan India can do could we see Jonathan India move to the outfield maybe left fielder Jonathan India that's going to be
1: an interesting one and you're right because the importance of infielders with range returns as the shift disappears, because that's exactly what the reds have been doing over the last couple of years. They're like, well, we can play guys out of position because we can move them out of position. We can put them in shifts and things like that. I have seen a lot of Jonathan India to DH and thing. I I don't think that's going to happen right away because Joey Votto is going to DH quite a bit this year, but once Joey Votto is retired or God forbid moves on and plays somewhere else, I hope he just retires. Um, then I think Jonathan India will see the bulk of D H time, because I don't necessarily know that he's got the arm to be a viable outfielder. And, and and maybe that's just it. Maybe you stick him in left field and you hope you hide him a little bit. But I I think defensively where he was his rookie season, which was still kind of below average has gotten even, has kind of gone even further on the below average side to the the point that we might actually be
0: calling them a bad fielder now. And, and you know, it's interesting. The, the DH, there's lots of guys that we want to give time at DH. So I think yeah. there, I think this team is not going to have a primary designated hitter. I think the designated hitter spot will become the off day ish yeah. spot where like Tyra Stevenson's going to go do that because we can't afford to put his bat on the bench, but we right. don't want him catching today. Uh, Jonathan India will DH today because we want a, uh, improved defense wherever he's playing. Uh, so let me rotate guys that. that way.
1: Let me ask you that then is his position left field or is his position trade bait? Uh,
0: you know, uh, I think that his value was super high coming off of the rookie of the year, the injuries uh, and the way that they limited him reduced his trade value. Now, yeah. when there were, Pockets of the 2022 season where he showed us he was still that player. He was still that that major league level quality hitter. Uh, but, you know, he played on broken wheels for a, a majority of the season. So his value is down. I think uh, heading into the 2024 offseason, you might could have a conversation about trading Jonathan India, possibly if all of these other prospects are in place and have demonstrated, OK, yeah, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, maybe somebody does become expendable in that scenario and you can bring in help at whatever position you needed at the time. Yeah, I, I could
1: see that uh, it it's funny. Cause like six months ago, I would have said that's a crazy notion, but it sort of seems like they're starting to stack up this idea that yes, he is expendable. And, and it's crazy to think that because six months ago I would have said, Oh, he's an obvious candidate for face of the franchise.
0: I put William's comment up on the YouTube screen uh, for the listeners. It says, good question, Jeff. Hate the thought, but dot, dot, dot. And I put yeah. this up here just because someone thought you had a good question, Jeff. I, <laughs> I wanted you to. I like it I when people you think that. A, a little affirmation for you there. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's interesting because uh, Greg Hughes mentions Nick Senzel. Said he read the same thing about Nick Senzel. And I, I have a hard time seeing Nick Senzel on this team beyond 2024 at this point. Um yeah. unless unless he puts together a uh, hundred and fifty game uh, 130 OPS plus season in 2023. I think he is probably his days are numbered. Uh, they can't afford to let him go right now because there's just no depth. There's nobody to replace him and, and they need as many games from him as they can get. Uh, but barring something miraculous from him in 2023, I think his days are, are probably numbered. Uh,
1: He's going to have to, he's going to have to acquit himself as the super utility right-handed platoon to everybody in the outfield. Uh, he's not going to be a surefire center fielder anymore. He's just going to play where they need him to play and when they need him to play, because just the way that he performed when he was healthy last year, which again, that was his most healthy, most healthy season. And he still didn't give us a full season. He just didn't seem like the kind of guy you have to make space for. And I have seen some folks are just like, trade him. You got to trade him right now. If Jonathan India is on the low end of his value, Nixon Zell's trade value is almost nil. Like, I think you'd have to attach somebody to Nixon Zell to make a trade at this point.
0: It would definitely. I, I, it always cracks me up. I mean, and I get I get the inclination to just be like, the guy's a bum. Trade him. Well, yeah, <laughs> if he's a bum, who's going to take him? I mean, what, right. what is the scenario then, where we get something in return for him?
1: And then the other thing is, well, we'll get somebody else's bum. Why
0: do we want another bum? If we're trading a bum to get a bum, then what's the point? You know, there's the occasional change of scenery deals that work out. Uh, but they're few and far between. They're not. They're not. They're. They're not the norm. They're. They're the. Maybe. They're the exception. So yeah. it just doesn't happen. Let's uh, maybe let's go to
1: Jeff Hoffman. But yeah, I don't know.
0: oh my God, car family favorite Jeff Hoffman. <laughs> I love it when you work in your favorites, Jeff. Uh, Mother Goose asks. You know, anyone know what the 2023 budget is for the Reds? How do you feel? How do you call feel when how do you feel when the cards president of baseball operations state that the payroll is going up? Sorry, uh, reading is hard for me. It's early here in Hawaii and the coffee has not kicked in. Um, uh, yeah. So we, we think the budget's going to be pretty status quo for the Reds. Jeff and I are in agreement that we think they're going to land around one hundred and twenty million dollars as a as a cap, a uh, self-imposed cap. Uh, They currently have about, if you take in all of the arbitration numbers and all of the expenses, they sit at about $85, $86 million. That means they probably... Let's just round it all out and say they probably have 25 to $30 million to play with in the free agent market if they choose to go that route. Now, I'm not saying they're going to, but that's just our best guess with the information that we have available to us. How does it make me feel that the Cardinals are going to spend more money?
1: (sighs) I would love to say that we could worry about the Cardinals right now, but we can't. We
0: just got to worry about the Reds, like the Reds. their devil magic is their own special thing and yeah. um you know I, are, are they going to compete for the division probably are the reds going di- to compete for the division no uh, i still think with with strategic signings the reds in 2023 can Sneak into a competition for the final wild card spot. Listen to me when I say when I'm talking about the playoffs. I am not talking about a division winner. They're not getting a first round bye. They could accidentally stumble, bumble, fumble their way into being in the conversation for the final wild card. And I'm not saying they're going to get it. Uh, and I'm definitely not taking the over. I don't think <laughs> in this coming season. But they could possibly be a little bit better than we think uh, if they stay healthy.
1: But here's, here's what I've been thinking for the last couple of years. And, and even including 2021, you know, where we have the awesome Nick Castellanos, Jake Woodford moment, I think the Reds and the Cardinals are rivals in the sense that the Bearcats and the Buckeyes are rivals. Like, it's, it's very obvious who's winning this rivalry right now.
0: Who and, and it's the Bearcats not, and the Buckeyes are rivals? That's what I'm Bearcats saying. Bearcats are not rivals. That's they're what the, I'm saying. The, I know. I just want to make fun of the Bearcats. They're the little, <laughs> they're the little step kid. They're the, they're the little guy that came a long way later that nobody wants to even bother paying attention to. Just, I'm sorry, you're, I can't help it. I know you love you. I know is... you love your. I know, I know you love your Bearcats. I just, <laughs> just, you know, sorry.
1: No, no, no. And I know, but like as a Bearcat fan, to say that the Bearcats are rivals with the Buckeyes is to say that they're on the same playing field, and that's not mm-hmm. the case. The Reds are not on the same playing field with the Cardinals because they don't operate their team as well as the Cardinals have for decades. I get it. 2010, 2012, 2021, there seemed to be some closeness between the two sides, but I still look at the Cardinals as head and shoulders above the Reds until the Reds can have some sustained success. And I hate to say that because it sounds like I'm on the side of the Cardinals and I'm not, I hate the Cardinals, but. I hate the Cardinals
0: because we ain't the Cardinals, and I hate to admit that, too. It's funny. The Cardinals continue to come up in conversation, Jeff. They came up when I sat down with Mo. They came up when I was talking to Chris. Uh, The Cardinals Cardinals are going to make a run to win this division in 2023, and interestingly enough, the Milwaukee Brewers are making changes in their front office as well and I think that the Brewers will make a push to remain at the top of the division. So it's probably a a two horse race in 2023 for the national league central and everybody else is just going to look for their participation trophy. I would,
1: and obviously they've got to make the moves, but based on what they're saying in Chicago, I think it might be a three horse race depending on how they move and what they do, but the Cubs are ready to spend reports are, and they're going to be active players in this free agency for big name guys. So look for them to kind of take that next step and, and close the gap between the top oh. and them. And it's going to be the reds and the pirates. Not last.
0: Yeah. If the Ricketts 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 letter is an indication, that's, you know what they're going to be doing. They're going yeah. to compete as well. So it'll be us and poor Ethan locked on pirates. We'll be, we'll be hanging out a lot. Commiserating. Uh, listen, Jeff, Marty Brenneman said some things uh, recently, and some of them, We're not going to get into today. I'm just going to tease that I am going to be coming with the uh, gasoline-fueled fire on Monday, talking specifically about the position of first base and how history rates the Reds players that have played there. And there's going to be a lot of folks angry with me on Monday. You're going to want to tune in for that because I am definitely going to start some stuff. And uh, Jeff has given me a green light to do it, which means Look out, people! Uh, I have some things to say about first base, but uh, Marty said some other things that I, I thought were interesting uh, in relationship to to the outfield, because you know he named his all time outfielders Jeff and 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 Foster wasn't one of them, and I was a little surprised to not True. see to not see Foster on the list. He had Junior Griffey, he had Eric Davis, and uh, the third one is escaping me. Uh, I'm done. I don't think it was Adam Dunn, but it wasn't George Foster. (laughs) And, you know, I would just wanted to like pitch at you when when you talk about all time Reds and Davis, Junior Griffey and Foster. Now, if you're taking careers as a whole, I think, yeah, we got to put Junior Griffey in that conversation. But Mm -hmm. is Junior Griffey a all time Red outfielder? That is a tough
1: question because
0: he's an all-time baseball outfielder, but is he an all-time reds outfielder? His
1: best years were definitely in Seattle. They weren't here. Um, He did have a couple of really amazing years when he was healthy, but health comes into play. And if you're not on the field, it's hard to say that you're a good red. Um, That's tough because his his criteria also was during his tenure as broadcaster, which I still probably would put Foster in over Griffey, but – that that is a tough thing to say because there have been some really good outfielders in this organization and and you go back to times and if we remove the whole um stipulation of eras and the worrying about who can hit what fastball and things like that Mm -hmm. like you you also bring ed roush into the conversation who was an amazing guy to hit for average and and very good fielder and and good base runner and things like that. So you open up a whole can of worms with some different criteria there, but I think during his tenure, I still, I think I would put Griffey fourth, not third.
0: And they, they dropped that little caveat later in the conversation with Marty. Like it wasn't in the question. It wasn't right up front about it being within his tenure. They added that in later. I don't know how I feel about that. I almost feel like they were trying to rescue Marty's list a little bit. I don't know, but uh, if we're gonna remove that stipulation, then you have to you have to have to start talking about Frank Robinson. You yes. you just you absolutely have to talk about yeah. and Veda Pinson. Both of them, Veda Pinson should be in the Hall of Fame, folks. I don't yes. know. Uh, f- the more distance we get from Veda Pinson, the more people forget about him. If you're if you're bored and looking to to you know find some baseball to look at, go Google Veda Pinson and look at his numbers and tell me how that man is not in the Hall of Fame.
1: His numbers weren't good. They weren't great. They were epic. Mm -hmm. Epic.
0: They they really were. Well, we're kind of starting to wind down here. So this is your last chance watching us live. If you've got some questions or, or comments that you want us to get to before we wrap it up for the day. Uh, Looking ahead, Jeff, let's talk for just a second about some of the stuff we want to spend time talking about in the offseason as a little bit of a primer for the people watching and listening and uh, give them an opportunity to shoot some ideas our way as well, you know, over the course of this offseason.
1: Yeah, definitely. We are going to look. Uh, we're going to have this conversation. Is this going to be the final year that Joseph Daniel Vado? Votto- is a cincinnati red in what shape or form that might take we are going to dive into uh, that thought process we're going to look at exactly what the reds can do to make sure that tyler stevenson is in the lineup every single day and i think we've hinted on it a little bit we're going to break down as to why we think this uh the the stat obviously out there uh, that you know with him in the lineup, they scored over five runs a game. So to leave him out of the lineup is to basically handicap yourself and put one arm behind their back. So we definitely want to dive into that. We want to look at who we think is the best. And I think that it seems obvious at first, but I think there's more of an argument as to who the best pitcher is on this staff for the Cincinnati reds. And just how good is Alexis Diaz and can he even replicate it? And and what is his intro going to be? Because, because, obviously we need to get into that. Plus is David Bell going to be the manager of this team when they're good again? I think Mm -hmm. that is a question that has many answers and, and it's not going to be something that we know the right answer to right away, because I think we've posed the option that, okay, probably in the future he moves into the front office as more of a general manager type guy. And we see somebody else in the managerial chair, but is David Bell, that guy, there's so many ways to look at that. And we are going to dive into those many ways.
0: And in addition to that, we're going to spend time breaking down probably each and every player that we believe will be on the active roster, uh, Come opening day, we'll spend time keeping you caught up on transactions and things that hopefully Nick Carl is doing this offseason to help shore up this team just a little bit. Uh, There's going to be lots to talk about uh, in the hot stove portion of uh, this offseason that I think will keep the Reds relevant and interesting. Uh, Jeff and I are going to be at Reds Fest, you guys. If you're going to be at Reds Fest, Jeff and I are going to be there on the Saturday Reds Fest. Uh, that is December 3rd. We're going to be wandering around. We'll uh, have some uh, fancy uh, red locked on Reds shirts, polo shirts. So look for us. You see us out there. Make sure you come say hi. Come talk baseball with us. We love it. Uh, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And then uh, rumor has it that Steve and Jeff are going to be at the Bengals Chiefs game the following day. Yes, we, we are. Uh, so before we wrap, let's get into uh, you know one or two more things here Jeff and we'll get out of here Uh, William Martin would like to discuss what catcher could the Reds add uh, to make Tyler Stevenson be able to share time at the position you know and we've talked about this a little bit Uh, Jeff you're kind of all in on a Tucker Barnhart reunion aren't you yeah I
1: think so I think that Tucker brings with him familiarity with the franchise he brings with him the ability to handle a pitching staff from day one without even worrying about stuff I just think that overall his departure was a mistake, and I'd like to see the Reds admit that by bringing him back. And I think they cleared the way because I kind of wondered if they would hold on to a guy like Aramis Garcia or if they would hold on to Mark Kozlowski and say, "Well, we've got our backup catcher." But they immediately said no because they put him on waivers and they're all gone, and or or they just outright released him. So. I look at this and I think this seems like they have paved the way, at least on the roster, to bring him back. And like we mentioned, they should have a little bit of money, not a ton, but a little bit of money to spend on free agents, and you could probably bring him back for about $4 million a year.
0: I think even less than that. I think it'll be even a little bit less than that. Look, he had a not great year in Detroit, and you know they're not going to bring him here to be an offensive powerhouse. Uh, that's not what they're going to be looking for in Tucker Barnhart. They're going to look to to have a catcher that can catch. That'll be a nice change of pace for yeah. what has happened in 2022. And they're going oh, to have a Puppers. catcher. We've talked about being able to manage all of these young pitchers. And Tucker Barnhart is a guy that can manage all of these young pitchers. You know, if he comes in here and hits 220, 230, that's a win. That's a win for this team. That's a major upgrade for what they were doing. Uh, I think that with all of the catchers being sent on their merry way, uh, it also proved what I was thinking towards the end of the season, which is Chucky Robinson really proved himself to be the new emergency guy. He's going to hmm. be the new guy at catcher that just kind of sits around Louisville, doesn't do a whole lot of spectacular, but can come up and be solid for you in five, six, seven game stretches uh, if there's an injury love that guy I, I think he's a great story i'm glad they kept him around i'm glad he's going to be that guy uh but for me tucker barnhart's the answer yeah i think that's, and, and I think then that's the one
1: and you need him for next year and maybe 2024 because i don't necessarily know that matt nelson or daniel V. will be ready by then but when they are ready those are the guys
0: And let's end it on this note from causing a catastrophe. And this would be a catastrophe. Let's be honest. The Reds need to sign Bartolo Cologne. I would Uh, love that. Well, I I think it would be great. And it would be nice for Jeff and I to both have players that resemble our shapes. It would be very (laughs) nice. I would get a cologne Jersey the day Uh, they sign for sure. hundred percent. All right, Jeff, (laughs) I think that is probably a great spot to wrap up this live edition of locked on reds guys in the, uh, the comments watching us live here. Thank you guys so much. These are my favorite shows to do. You guys know that I say it all the time. This is my favorite part of being uh, on the show and being a podcaster. Uh, it 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 just so much fun interacting with you guys and taking your questions and your comments. Uh keep them going. Hit us up on Twitter, it's right there on the screen for the YouTubes, uh, for the audio feed. I'm at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. He's Jeff Carr. He's at Jeff Carr. Jeff with three Fs. All right, Jeff, take us home.
1: Steve, we want to thank everybody for listening to us and watching us here on this live version of the Locked On Reds podcast. Now go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Locked on sports today has you covered for all of the big news, the big games, recaps, transactions, press conferences, everything that's going on in the world of sports. And they're going to do it in 22 minutes or less. Host Peter Bukowski brings you interesting interviews with locked on personalities. And is produced by yours truly. That's locked on sports today. Just like locked on reds free and available on all platforms, including, and it's on something that we're not on yet, but it's on streaming apps. You can check it out. Look for locked on sports today, Steve. It's a long off season. We're going to get a free agency underway in about a week, two weeks. I don't know what time is. It's a construct.
0: Uh, what's that mean for you and me? That means we're going to be busy. The off season is going to fire up. We're going to be busy watching the hot stove and we will keep you guys updated because we will keep you just like us locked on reds every single day. See you next week.